script anyone to read. Um, and it's quite, it's a fairly long chapter. How long, where does it go up to? Well, it's, it's 24 verses. It's 24 verses. No, 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 it's a long... 31 Okay. So perhaps one person, good reader, could read it all, I think. Yeah. Um, shall I ask Paul? Can <laughs> you read it for us, Paul? Chapter 5. The whole of Chapter 5, it's long. The whole of Chapter 5, it's long. So, uh, what version are you reading from, Paul? Is that an uh, the Bible. N- a, the Bible, which is the, an, NIV. an NIV. Okay, so from the NIV version, with no further ado, here cometh chapter 5 of Daniel. It's entitled, The Writing on the Wall. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives and concubines, might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze and iron and wood and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. The king called out for the enchanters and astrologers and diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. Oh, king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians and enchanters and astrologers and diviners. This man, Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams explain riddles and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. 
Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. O king, the most high God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor because of the high position he gave him All the peoples and nations and men of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles and your wives and your (coughs) concubines drank wine from them. (coughs) You praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Meany, meany, tickle and parson. And this is what these words mean. Meany, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then, at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. I don't know. I've just yeah, it's it's flashing. Okay, I'll just keep talking while um, the batteries get changed. Okay, so a um, little bit of background to this. Um, we have Daniel here, who is a Hebrew. He is a Jew, um, and he has. Um, Uh, so a descendant of Abraham, um, and he was taken along with all the other Jews from um, 
Jerusalem when the Babylonians came and, and uh, took them into exile. Exile means you're sort of living in, your, in another country um, that you didn't choose to live in. You were taken there and you have to live there because your own country has been defeated. Um, so that was about sort of 70 years before this happened. So Daniel is now around, we think, 90 years old. Um, and he has uh, already, in the court of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, uh, been proved to be very wise. And we had this, we've had the story already of the, um, uh, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the f- flaming, fiery furnace. And, um, uh, and so, so the kings of Babylon know all about this god that the Hebrews, whom they stole from Jerusalem... Um, They uh, know all about this God because in the past, uh, this God has proved to have done amazing, amazing things. And Nebuchadnezzar originally had bowed down and said, let's worship this this God. Um, And then it says in this story, he turned um, and actually then stopped believing in him. And God said, no, you've got to honor me. This is what happens if you don't honor me. Um, and this now we are now on Belshazzar, which says in in the there. So Nebuchadnezzar, your father, but actually we think it's uh, that Nebuchadnezzar was probably his grandfather, and you'll see in a minute a little bit about that. Um, so I, I've actually started um, my talk right from scratch, right from as if uh, this book of Daniel. Like, how do we even know that what happened in this story? Because it seems a bit unbelievable, doesn't it, really? A hand appeared and wrote some words on a wall. um, And the king was terrified. Uh, It was almost like a ghost in the building writing on the wall. Um, It just seems really unbelievable, actually. And if we start telling people out there... You know, nowadays, people think Bible stories are fairy tales. They think there might be some history in it because they get some things right, like the Babylonian Empire, like the fact that the Persians did conquer Babylon and take over, and Darius the Mede was the next king after. This is all quite, actually, quite well historically documented outside of the Bible. So we think that, you know, people out there think the Bible gets some of it right. But it cannot have been written, they say, before um, all these events happened because, and get this, their evidence for the Bible, this, this particular book for not being written uh, the time when it claims to have been written, about 600 BC, their reasoning is, is because prophecy isn't true. Uh, it can't be. How can you foretell events that are going to happen three, four hundred years later, or it just it's just not true. So therefore, that's their evidence and reasoning for Daniel not being written at the time it was written. So they kind of say um, that it must have been written around about the time of the earliest copy of Daniel, which was dated to the second century BC. So that's the sort of earliest actual copy we have. Um, So obviously not by Daniel then, because Daniel lived 400 years before that. Um, It's called circular reasoning uh, in biblical scholars. And it's sort of like, well, you you first of all make a huge assumption that miracles can't happen. And then you say, and then you base uh, your dating on what we know to be sort of 
true today. Miracles don't happen. Prophecy doesn't happen. You can't predict the future. just isn't possible. So therefore, Daniel must have been written when we find the earliest manuscript of it about the 2nd century uh, BC. Uh, there is a lot. I'm not going to go into them all. If you look it up, you'll find a lot of arguments to say that. Uh, this is just... You don't, um, it could be the second century BC. However, it could also very easily have been written all around the time of Daniel in the sixth century BC by Daniel. There's a lot of evidence for it. Um, and I'm not going to go into detail of, uh, of it all right now. We're talking about Belshazzar, and I've actually found, um, because they, one of the things they say about Daniel is that they can't find any other historical writings about Belshazzar. Um, only in Daniel is Belshazzar mentioned. So there's Greek historians, there's all sorts of other writers around the same time that mention these kings that they mention in Daniel. Um, and uh, so they, you know, this is one of the ways they've tried to pick the book apart to say it can't have been written by Daniel at the time it said. And, this, and also it can't be all true because actually Belshazzar is Daniel's made up. It was made up um, to sort of, I don't know why they think you'd make something like that up. But they come up with reasons. Um, but anyway, uh, so I found a bit particularly about Daniel chapter 5, about Belshazzar himself and a little bit of history about how actually Belshazzar really did exist. Um, and he existed, and, and proving that actually the book of Daniel is a better historical document than all the other historical documents we get. It's got more detail in it, it's got more names in it, it's got more dates in it, it's got much more detail in it. And yet the only reason historians don't accept it as truth and fact is because of these miracles that they say can't happen. That's the only reason. Everything else around Daniel is this historically absolutely bang on. Let's watch um, the, how this guy, the, the whole preach is on Daniel itself, and it's a brilliant preach. Um, but I've just picked out the part where he talks about Daniel. Belshazzar. That Daniel says things happened that never really happened. One of the targets is a guy named Belshazzar. There he is, Belshazzar, drinking out of the cup from the temple as the writing on the wall is behind him, if you're familiar with the passage in the book of Daniel. Daniel 5, it says that Beli, that's short for Belshazzar, that's official right there, he was the last king of Babylon, and Daniel says that he was Nebuchadnezzar's son. So right, Beli, Nebuchadnezzar. He was Nebuchadnezzar's son was a guy named Belshazzar, and he was the last king of Babylon, when the Persians took over, the Medo-Persian Empire took over. Okay, that's real simple. But the critics, they say, they say and said for many, many years, Belshazzar did not exist. Daniel invented him just to use him as a way of encouraging random people and Jewish people. He just made him up. He just made him up. Now, they had a reason for saying this because we have lists of Babylonian kings that go back in several different his histories, we have these lists. Like, for instance, Herodotus, in his history, he has lists of Babylonian kings that don't include Belshazzar. Belshazzar's name is not on the list. And so he's not showing up in history. But also, 
Nabonidus, a different guy, he's the last king of Babylon, according to these historians. So we have a few lists, and they all, they don't all agree with each other, but they all agree that Belshazzar is not on the list. And Nabonidus shows to be the last king of Babylon. And so for years, this attack was being made. But fortunately for us, archaeology being still kind of a new thing, them digging up stuff and, and checking it out the way they do nowadays. It's really a science now. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Keeps proving the Bible over and over again. Well, in 1853, something called the Nabonidus Cylinder was discovered. You're looking at a picture of it there. It was a clay cylinder from before the fall of Babylon. So we're not just talking about histories. We're talking about an actual contemporary report from before the fall of Babylon, right before the fall. They actually found four of them all together. Three more were found in 1888. But here's a quote from the Nabonidus cylinder. It says, May it be that I, Nabonidus, king of Babylon, never fail you, and may my firstborn, Belshazzar, worship you with all his heart. So wait, there was a guy named Belshazzar. And he was in the royal family. He was the son of Nabonidus. This is very interesting. So then the critics break their knuckles on this particular issue, saying Belshazzar didn't exist. Daniel's shown to have better history than they did. Very interesting, right? Then there's another quote from one of the same cylinders that says that Nabonidus entrusted the army to his oldest son, his firstborn, which we know as Belshazzar from the previous quote. The troops in the country he ordered under his command. He let everything go, entrusted the kingship to him, and himself, he started out for a long journey. The military forces of Akkad, marching with him, he turned to Tima, deep in the west. And so we find out that not only was there a Belshazzar, but that he was made co-regent with his father. His dad left Babylon and went off to fight foreign wars like King Arthur, you know, or, uh, you know, King Richard, excuse me. And he would, he would go off, Richard the Lionheart, and he went off into the Holy Land to fight his wars. And he let other people run the country while he's gone. This is not an uncommon thing. Nabonidus did this. So Belshazzar was co-regent with him. This is actually consistent with what we read in Daniel 5.7. Belshazzar's under threat. He's really upset. And he's got this writing on the wall. And he's like, if someone can tell me what this means, I will make him. I'll give him the best prize I can. I'll make him the third ruler in the kingdom. Why didn't he make him the second ruler in the kingdom? Well, because Belshazzar already was the second ruler in the kingdom. So he could make him the third ruler in the kingdom. And this marries very well with the biblical account. This is consistent with what we know. Belshazzar therefore exists. And that critical attack saying Daniel, actually, Daniel turns out has better history than Herodotus in this case, which is pretty important. So the critics then respond and they go, ha ha, yes, but you've left out one detail, Mike. Belshazzar was the son of Nabonidus, not the son of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel clearly says that Belshazzar was the son of Nebuchadnezzar. It says it in several cases. So let me explain a little bit of this family tree to explain how this critical attack falls short. King Nabonidus, there he is right there. King Nabonidus, the final king of Babylon, who was co-regent with his son, the other final king of Babylon, since they were both kings at the same time. He was married to Queen Natokris. <laughs> Don't laugh at my. Okay, so Queen Natokris, we know this, that she was either, here's the scholarly debate, Natokris is a real person, they know she existed, but she was either the wife of Nebuchadnezzar 
or the daughter of Nebuchadnezzar. They're not sure in what sense she was the queen of Babylon. We don't know if she was the wife or the daughter. Either way, when Nabonidus became king, he at some point married Natokris, and this seemed to help him glue his attachment to the crown because he, Nabonidus, was not descended from Nebuchadnezzar. So he can't look up to Nebuchadnezzar and say, oh, that's my dad, I can claim the throne. So he marries either Nebuchadnezzar's wife or his daughter. Let's say, to make it harder on us, that Natokris is his daughter. Okay, and that seems more likely to me, but let's just say that that's the case. Well, they produced their firstborn, Belshazzar. There he is looking it up his mom going, you look awful strange, mom. <clears throat> so this means that if Queen Natokris was Nebuchadnezzar's daughter, that that meant Nebuchadnezzar was Belshazzar's grandpa. There he is right there in all of his wonderful power with a feather duster in his hand. <laughs> now you might say, but Mike, grandpa is not the same as son. But those of you who are Bible students, you probably already know the solution to this problem. It's really normal in that culture to use the word father to represent your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. Scripture says things like, you will be going to your fathers. I mean, how many fathers have you got? Yes, every single male who is in my bloodline before me is my father. That was a normal use of the word. Normal use of son, normal use of father. The Jews said to Jesus, uh, we are Abraham's children. Abraham is our father. Um, and there's other examples throughout the Old and New Testament of this sort of thing. So it was especially useful for Belshazzar to constantly remind people and call himself the son of Nebuchadnezzar. Why? Because it tied him to the Babylonian throne. It helped bolster his authority, helped bolster his claim to power. Nebuchadnezzar was an extremely famous and powerful man in the Babylonian regime. So this is a big deal for him. Um, so there you go. I think that, that that completely discredits critics' attacks on Belshazzar, although you will still hear them said over and over again. And the irony is that those who have heard the responses rebutting the arguments will still say them. That's the strangest thing. Bible critics have the amazing ability to repeat criticisms they know are invalid. I've seen this over and over again. Um, but yet, that's why we as believers are, you know, we do well to be armed with these sorts of things. So Belshazzar, there's the attacks and there's the defenses. Darius the Mede. Here's another one. Okay. Um, so I just thought I would begin with that, although that took quite a while. <laughs> uh, because it, I think it's so important what he said to arm ourselves with this kind of stuff. Because we know it to be true. We know God can perform miracles. We know that God, that, that God told prophets what would happen years in the future. We know all this because we believe it. But out there, they, I don't know, they, they just don't anymore. And there's so many critics that keep, as he said, keep saying the same arguments over and over, even though they have been shut down they bring them up again because they don't want it's coming. The sun's coming through the top window. <laughs> I'm just going to have to squint. Um, so uh, the the, uh, the the critics do not want to believe it to be true because they don't want to believe in miracles. They don't want to believe that there is a God that can do this kind of stuff. If Daniel is historically correct <coughs> with 
the Medes, the Persians, the Babylonian kings, the line of the thrones, if all his facts are correct, then I think we can safely assume that he wasn't lying when he said that a hand wrote words on a wall for Belshazzar to read. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to go into our discussion and we're going to, uh, now we know this really very likely did happen. We've got some really good evidence. Um, let's let's uh, have a think about the passage, the fact that um, uh, Daniel sort of had a, had a bit of a back seat at that time, the fact that the Queen knew. And here we actually find out why the Queen uh, was probably Nebuchadnezzar's own daughter or wife, and so, therefore, she would have been around when Nebuchadnezzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fire. She would have seen all of that. She knew it. So, and she knew who Daniel was. Let's think about that. Let's think about what the writing was all about and the fact that Daniel could interpret it. Let's look at the fact and think about why, um, uh, why had Belshazzar forgotten all of that and got into his own kind of... Uh, he, he'd, gone, he'd gone backwards and gone, uh, gone selfish again. Um, and then uh, that very day, and it is historically accurate, because the, Babylon, the, the Medes or the Persians, um, the, river used to, the river Euphrates used to run into the city of Babylon, and they had massively thick walls all the way around. So uh, Belshazzar thought he was safe, because the only entrance was the massive Euphrates River, which you couldn't... Um, uh, you couldn't get through. But they'd apparently, and this is historically what happened, uh, they had apparently diverted the Euphrates River further up so that it was shallower, so they could all storm the city to, uh, uh, and then defeat Belshazzar. Um, and uh, uh, so that's apparently how it, um, how it happened that very night after the writing on the wall. Let's have a think about all of that. Okay. Five, ten minutes-ish? Yeah, if you can look at the... Um, uh, have, use the sheet to help you with how you're getting on. If you're on a table on your own, you might want to hop onto another table or, or work. We need to move on. Yeah, it's on. Okay. About ten minutes. Okay, so... Um, we're not going to spend masses of time on um, sort of, I think your discussions will have been really good and you would have brought stuff out of each other and, and heard from each other a lot. Um, uh, so if we could just kind of call out quick um, answers uh, to questions. We had quite a lot of, I like that bit. Um, so if we could call out, what, which bits did you, did you like? Ian? Worshipping the creator, not the created. They were worshipping the gold and silver and all the other idols. Yep. With that, and they knew about God, yes. but they were sort of just pushing him aside. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Good. I'll go to Sandy and then you, Cameron. The mother-in-law saved the day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And was she standing on, watching all of it, actually thinking, oh, my goodness, this is not what Nebuchadnezzar was told by God. And actually, yeah, the, the, she must have been quite... The writing on the wall must have been 
This is the moment. Let's get Daniel in again. This is probably the least important part of the story. But on the video, I thought it was quite interesting that they called their grandparents... Father. Or father, yeah. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Yeah, just as... So, so all the generations are just as much your father as your own father. Yeah, good, I like that. Good, good point, Cameron. Okay, good. Um, so I don't like anything, anything you sort of didn't like. You kind of thought, oh, that grates on me a little bit. There wasn't much we could think of either. No, there's shaking of heads. Oh, Joe doesn't like it when concubines are mentioned. No, using women, not good. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, uh, anything that you'd not seen? Uh, so if you had read this passage before, perhaps uh, many of you, it's sort of one of the ones, we always talk about Daniel in the lion's den, don't we, really? Or the, the fiery furnace. The writing on the wall is a lesser talked about story. Anything from that that you've got today that you didn't think of before? Okay, I'm going hobbling. Yeah, we were struck by Nebuchadnezzar um, and, and being driven away from the people and given the mind of an animal, living with the wild donkeys and eating grass. He lost his marbles totally. He had, yeah. But, but he came back. He acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men. Whereas Belshazzar, the writing came on the wall, and that was it, curtains. Yes. He didn't have any... He didn't any... have a chance, no. No. God knew his heart, maybe. Yeah, I think what was interesting is the um, the prophecy that Daniel received. I know they're not um, generally accepted, but you know he was told that um, the Medes and the Persians would come. He was told that Alexander the Great would come. He was told that um, the Romans would come, um, and just the little bit of writing on the wall says, "Well, the end of one dynasty, the start of another," mm. and that the Lord ultimately is in control of the nations. Mm. Um, he raises up nations, he brings them down. Um, because otherwise, if he didn't, I think we would have destroyed ourselves by now completely. Mm. So it, the Lord brings evil to an end. Yes. Um, yeah, good. Oh, Sean's going to do my <laughs> microphone thing now. Yeah, um, and also, um, the writing on the wall, that saying, the writing's on the wall, it must have come from this, surely. It did. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Um, and that's the saying that out there, they don't know that, do they? They don't know where the word, the, the writings on the wall comes from. And it's from the fact that God tells us and clearly lets us know, gives us the warnings. The warning signs are there and we, and we either choose to ignore them or we choose to follow him. So the writings on the wall, everyone. <laughs> okay, uh, let's... Um, so we've got, I don't, uh, I don't understand. Um, did anyone sort of uh, got any questions about, about the passage um, that they want to ask? Sandy? I didn't understand at, at first uh, why a king who was so awful and rebellious would honour his word and clothe Daniel in purple afterwards. I, that puzzled me. Yes, yes. Maybe. Thought, I don't know the answer. Because we, 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 uh, catching on to what someone else said about, you know, Belshazzar, you know, that very night it happened. But maybe that act was Belshazzar humbling himself. Yeah, okay, maybe it was, yeah. 
um, but, they, but, but they, they were too far gone. The pride was too much, too great. The fact that they drank out of the cups of the temple to sort of prove they were even better than the, 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 the Jewish nation and that God. It, that was what he was saying by drinking the, the, the cups out of, that, uh, out of the temple. He was saying, I am greater than that God, even though Nebuchadnezzar honoured that God. I'm not. I'm even greater than him. That was, that, that was a very symbolic act. Um, and so, yes, the, uh, that, you're right. But I, it was too, too late for him. He, the, the, the Persians had already, were already diverting the Euphrates and they were coming because the, the, they were all drunk and there were no soldiers to fight. It was an easy, easy battle to win. Okay, Amelie, yep. Yeah? Um, with the um, clothing him in purple and um, making him furthest in the kingdom could also be a pride thing, like... I've got enough power to do that. To it could have been have as well. So yeah, he was, yeah, I give. Yeah, good thought. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, that will change my life bit. I think um, uh, good to discuss. You've discussed hopefully in your groups. I'm going to skip that bit and just um, finish off now. Um, so. Um, uh, just going to sort of let you have some of the thoughts that I had, um, and um, and how actually this, how this affected me, and how it's going to change my life. Having really thought about this passage um, a lot. Okay, um, they're a, they're a little bit discombobulated. My thoughts. I'm really sorry. I, I didn't really have time to go over them again and order them properly. So uh, I'm sorry if it appears a little bit random. Um, okay, so first thought I had was that it took two generations for the people to stop honouring God. Um, they did in the time of Nebuchadnezzar, and it seems a bit similar to nowadays. Uh, we talk about the war days, that was probably about two generations ago, um, and how uh, people rallied together to survive, but we have conveniently forgotten that most people back then had faith in God. There are so many letters and writings of people in the war and their prayers. They wrote their prayers down. We never hear about those. Um, God must have strengthened and encouraged them constantly during that time. Um, and we've forgotten that two generations later. Another thought I had was that pride is a killer. We see this pride nowadays. So I was looking for parallels of Belshazzar drinking the goblets of the temple, saying symbolically, I am greater than the gods who actually created these cups. Um, who does that nowadays? It's actually not very difficult to think of them. Atheist scientists do it, don't they? They use God's own inventions of the atom to mess around with without honouring the God who created them. They're using the goblets from the temple to mess about with, and they don't honour the God that created them. Damage to the environment. Uh, we use God's creation, which was designed actually very naturally to degrade and recycle without our help. And we use that to create non-degradable material just for our ease and convenience. We want to make money, we want to make more money, so we create items that are not, not going to help the environment, but are going to make us money. We forget how to use God's creation, that he's, he's given us this amazing world that very naturally will recycle. 
if we use it properly. Another thought. When you stop honouring God, you only have yourself to please. Um, and you get distracted with it. Belshazzar was distracted with honouring himself. You live your own life the way you want to, and it's all-consuming because you haven't got um, uh, God there to help. It takes so much of your own thoughts and actions. You're having to constantly think yourself, what shall I do, what's right to do, what's wrong to do? It's all on you. It's all-consuming. It stops you seeing when your enemies are infiltrating the city. (laughs) It's an illusion that you are safe because it's what everyone else believes. Or it's what the media tell you. Gosh, we just listen to the media, don't we? We think that's the voice of the nation. It's not. 70% of people will say in this country they believe in some kind of God. Only 20% of people in the media say they believe in some kind of God. It's imbalanced. So what we hear on the media is not actually what people generally believe and think. It's very biased against God. I'll come to you afterwards, Cameron. Is that all right? Belshazzar's enemies got into his fortified city with walls as thick as the six-lane highway through the river Euphrates, which ran through the city. The Babylonians were too busy partying to notice. It's actually chronicled by two Greek historians. He mentioned one, Heroditus. Um, So because it's not the Bible, it's accepted as fact. (laughs) Roll your eyes. (laughs) If we live our lives honouring God in all we do, we are living for him and for others, so we're not distracted by our own selves. He looks after our needs so that we can focus on others And we will see when the enemy comes. The writing on the wall, we will see it and we will honour him. We will know what it is. We will know it and we will honour him. And we will be ready. Last thought. God is going to honour those who are faithful. He promised Daniel that the captivity in Babylon would last 70 years. He was probably about 90 when all this happened and God was faithful to him. He wasn't killed in that... um, in the um, enemy coming in. Uh, He went on to serve the king of the nation that had invaded Babylon, Darius the Mede. uh, And Darius was the king that threw Daniel into the lion's den. Um, Through these times in our country, we feel like Daniel. We have the answer, but no one even acknowledges our existence anymore, except to perhaps call us interfering. So what Dad said earlier on... Oh, no, you did. Did you say it out loud, or did you just say it in our group, about the um, speaking out? Um, so uh, it, it, that was my last point. We need to learn this stuff about the crit- what the critics say about the Bible, and we need to boldly say, no, they're not right. The Bible is historically accurate, and there is plenty of proof out there if you look for it. We need to stand up and say, God, we want to honour God in our society. Daniel was very brave. He was the only one. Maybe he had the queen by his side. Maybe that did help a bit, but he was really brave to say what he said to the king. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for this braveness and boldness because we're so in the minority. We are so like Daniel. We are just one person 
in a nation which is hedonistic, only looking out for themselves, which uh, wants, to, wants to say, do what you feel is right. When we know our feelings can't tell us what to do, our feelings lie to us. We know the truth. We have the Bible that tells us and gives us the truth. And we have a God who loves us and wants to be our father. He is our father. Okay. Finished. <laughs> we, uh, we will finish there because I think the kids have finished and they need to come back in. Um, however, if you feel like you want some prayer, if you want to pray for each other, if you feel under attack in your workplace, um, out there in, your, in the environment that you go, we were going to send you out now for the week. Um, if you need some prayer for that, then please do ask the people in your group to pray for you. Two-minute prayer groups. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can just let's get on with that then. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Prayer groups. Okay. Amen.